Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together for prayer and ask God to bless us as we do. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much. We praise you for an opportunity to study your word. And Father God, I just pray that you'll bless us as we uh, seek to hear your voice in our life. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do. We love you and we exalt you uh, simply because of who you are. Father, we just pray that you'll uh, be with us as we... uh, Join our hearts together, Lord, that we would not focus on ourselves, but focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I were to ask you uh, to fill in the blank, what would you say? Now, listen to the next phrase and think of what you would fit into this phrase. If I were to say... My greatest focus in life is. What would you say? Or my entire life is built around this basic belief. What would you say? Now, for a lot of people, uh, they would say something like, um, uh, their greatest belief is, is that Life is short, so I'm going to have as much fun as I could possibly have. And for other people, it it might be something like, well, uh, 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 money is everything to me. Uh, Or uh, at all costs, I'm going to get to the top, whatever the top may be for you. A lot of people have a lot of different focus in their life. A lot of people have a lot of different primary beliefs. Uh, For some, it's uh, uh, eat, drink, and be merry. That old Epicurean uh, uh, philosophy. Uh, Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may die. Uh, I want to share with you uh, what my entire life is built around, and that is the belief that there's nobody like Jesus. And for me, uh, there has never been, there never will be, anyone quite like Jesus. And so for me, my life is focused around the fact that, uh, that there is no one quite like Jesus. Tonight, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Jesus is one of a kind. There's, uh, I want you to think about this uh, for a moment. Um, Jesus never walked outside the borders of his country. He was only out of his the borders of his country once, and that was... Can anybody tell me when that was? 
It's a little trivia thing. It was when he was a baby and he was in exile in Egypt. Um, so he never really walked. He was carried. Um, but uh, that was the only time. Jesus confounded uh, kings. He... he uh, 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 Made uh, the doctors and the uh, lawyers of the of the gospel, of the word of the of the Bible uh, perplexed uh, when he was just a small child. As an adult, he uh, vexed uh, many of those who were in charge. He, he never wrote a book, and yet all the books and all the libraries and all the world, if they were filled with all the things that he said and all the things that he did, uh, they wouldn't be able to contain it. Uh, he never wrote a song, but he inspired every uh, uh, inspirational song of uh, great value uh, ever written within the church. He uh, never was the president of a college or uh, was a uh, or founded a college, and yet uh, his life and his words have inspired more students than all the colleges in the world could ever contain. And Jesus, there's no one quite like him, and. For so many who are out in the world, the uh, the trend has been to try and make Jesus more common. Um, uh, people do this with phrases like, uh, uh, when they talk about God, they talk about the man upstairs. Uh, they talk about uh, uh, God in such uh, familiar tones that they... Uh, kind of rob God of, of who He is and, and by uh, extension, uh, Jesus Christ Himself. And so tonight I want us to look at this passage of Scripture in Hebrews at the very beginning of uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, this is uh, a, a book that was written with the express purpose of... of uh, uh, seeking to set forth uh, the, the tone of the identity of who Jesus Christ is. And Paul writes in the first chapter of, of Hebrews, he said, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto uh, the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom all... He has made the worlds, who being in the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they." I want us to just pick apart this uh, this very brief uh, set of verses and and examine this in a way that that maybe uh, you haven't seen before. Uh, it's been my uh, joy to to read through Scripture 
several times in the last several years. Uh, I've read through the Bible uh, cover to cover. One of my first attempts at doing this was uh, when I was much younger in college. And on top of all the other things I had to do with college, I had to work a job. I had to... do all my coursework and everything. I, I felt under the conviction to to begin at that time to try and and read through Scripture cover to cover. And <clears throat> unfortunately, it was during my college years that I, uh, I attempted and failed many times at trying to do that. I would get different books that had a, a course of of Scripture and had to try and read through all the Bible within the course of a year. And I would get uh, part of the way through it and I'd get bogged down in Numbers and, and Leviticus and some of the other Scripture. And and uh, and I'd, I'd have such a difficult time. And uh, one of the things that, that I found myself doing uh, that discouraged me at attempting to read through Scripture was is that uh, I would have, you know, you're on a schedule of, okay, you need to read so many verses in this book or so many chapters in the Bible. And and I would find myself, and I, I don't know if you've ever done this, and, and so I'm letting you know I've done it so you won't feel so bad about doing it yourself. But uh, there were times when I was doing this that I would read through a section of Scripture and when I would sit back after reading a whole section of Scripture, I'd sit back and I'd say to myself, now, now what did I read? And I couldn't, for the life of me, recall anything that I'd read. It was, I, I, and, I, and of course I would reread it and try to remember uh, things that I'd read or the significance of what I read and that kind of thing. And... That just gets you more bogged down in the process. And and so many times we read Scripture, and the reason I'm telling you this is is I don't want to do that tonight uh, or ever when we study Scripture in in our worship time is to to just simply read Scripture and it not mean anything. And that's why I go through Scripture and try and break it down for you and help you to see it in ways that you've never seen it before is because I think we have a tendency from time to time when we read Scripture to just read it and it means nothing when we're done. We've read through it and it, it has no impact at all and what I hope to accomplish when I uh, share with you is, is that you'll read through something and it the light will just light up in your mind and you'll understand the significance of it or maybe perhaps not tonight or, or tomorrow night but some at some point later when you're going through something you'll say, hey, I remember we were talking about that and Brother Carl said this, this, and this and, and you go find the Scripture and it means something so much more at that point because you're dealing with it and you can understand and know that this Scripture deals with that. So uh, this passage passage of scripture i in studying this i i, I uh, studied somebody that is way way more uh as smarter than i am he i mean he teaches uh, he uh 
he teaches in these big universities and, and uh, he's got a, law, a Harvard degree and so he, he talks in a way that many times uh, it, it's easy to kind of get lost and he talks about all the literary stuff and, and I used to hate that when I was studying scripture because uh, uh, I wasn't worried about the literary way in which you look at scripture. I couldn't see the value in that because uh, I was more concerned with what the scripture actually said rather than a particular literary style. But what you need to understand and, and know about this passage of scripture is that uh, when Paul's writing this, he's trying to write to the Hebrew, his people, his the people of Israel, and he's trying to help them to understand and see something that you and I take for granted. When I share with you, when I shared with you about my view of who Jesus is, all of you probably said, "Yep, check there, check mark there." I agree with you there. Jesus is is uh, there's no one like Jesus, and Jesus is special. But for the Hebrew reader, for the person who is an Israelite, for somebody who is like Paul, who is a uh, and you have to remember, Paul was a, such a a uh, ardent student of of what he considered was uh, his scriptures, uh, which was uh, is our Old Testament. Uh, you have to understand that that these people felt as though the following of certain practices, the the eating of certain feasts, the the observances of certain things within the calendar, uh, the worship of God in a certain way, that that was the way in which you gain entrance to God. Uh, everything from washing yourself a certain way before you... I, I didn't take a bath before coming to church tonight. I rely and and please don't be shocked at that. But uh, I relied on the fact that I took a shower this morning to make myself clean. I didn't feel as though I had to go and and bathe myself up my arms to be clean before coming tonight. Did any of you feel that way? Now, I mean, if you were working on your truck, if you were knee-deep in uh, grease out in your Chevy truck, you might have felt like you needed to get all the grease off your arms. Or if you'd been uh, feeding the cows, you might have felt like you needed to get all the sweat and the dirt and the grime and, and the manure off of you before coming to church tonight. At least I hope you did. and uh, uh, Or you didn't get that dirty doing all that. But um, uh, anyway... The, the Jewish person, the Jewish mentality was is that you didn't even step foot anywhere on temple property without being clean because it was drilled into their minds that the way to God was observing these certain practices and you didn't gain entrance to God any other way. And here Paul comes and he's trying to help them to understand that the way to God is through Jesus Christ. And they saw Jesus as just like some guy Phil down the road or something like that. Yeah, he might have been a teacher of, of Scripture. He might have been uh, someone who was a student. But uh, here 
here's 900 other people who are, are all students of Scripture uh, that are all there within Jerusalem and they can tell you just as much as Phil can and uh, that's down the street. So they didn't see anything special about Jesus. And Paul here is attempting to help them to understand how significant, how important, how uh, uh, who Jesus Christ is and to help them to understand that it's through Jesus that they come to God, not through these ritualistic practices. And so he says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake uh, in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. And so Paul establishes his train of thought with this passage of Scripture, uh, with this phrase, that God at different times has spoken to us. And how did God speak to us? Well, the, the Hebrews understood God spoke to them through Moses, whom God spoke to him in a burning bush. God spoke to the people through Moses by the giving of the law. God spoke to, uh, and, it, and you just go th- down through history and you see all the different ways in which God spoke. And most times he says, God spoke through a prophet who was plucked out of the, the uh, 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 populace of Israel. It didn't happen all the time. It, there wasn't uh, uh, 500 prophets of, of God sometimes. Sometimes there was just one guy who was uh, raised up by God to speak on behalf of God. You had a lot of people that wanted to speak as if they uh, had a relationship with God. But you have to understand the majority of the time, they were just simply priests that assisted with the observance of these rituals. There was no, Even the high priest didn't speak on behalf of God unless God spoke through him, which was not very often. And you have to remember that the last time there was a prophet uh, that spoke to the people of Israel before Jesus came was hundreds of years. So for hundreds of years, there was no one who spoke on behalf of God. And here comes Jesus. And here's Jesus who... And of course, they crucified Jesus. So they killed the one man that was... uh, The one individual that was speaking on behalf of God. And they they killed John, who was uh, trying to be the the prophet in the wilderness, who was saying, uh, you know, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Here comes Jesus. You need to listen to Him. They killed Him because uh, He was talking about Jesus coming. And then Jesus came and He was speaking that killed him. And so Paul's trying to help them to understand that it's been years since anyone spoke on behalf of God and God only rarely spoke to His people. And he says, hath in these late days, these late days meaning presently for Him. He said, now God is speaking to us by His Son. Whom he hath appointed. And, and so this is Jesus, he's saying. Jesus is the one whom God is, is seeking to speak to us through. And it's his son, not just a prophet. He's saying this isn't, uh, uh, God is, is speaking to us in a different way through a son. Now, sonship in the time of, of, of Jesus, in the time of Paul, 
has a significance. It means that uh, uh, when when there's a, an individual who uh, is a landowner and and someone who has uh, 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 lots of servants and lots of cattle, lots of sheep, lots of uh, of own, uh, land ownings and things like that. Whenever that individual dies, all of that doesn't go to his wife. It goes to his son, the firstborn son in particular. And that firstborn son gets 50% of everything the father has. And then all the other children take the other 50% and they split it up amongst them, equally amongst them. uh, provided that's what the father wanted. But the father had all authority. The the father had all the rights. And in that society, in that world, women had no rights at all. And so everything went to the son. And the son, in many times, in the many instances, when the father was growing old, the son would speak on behalf of the father because he was the heir. So that's the significance of of saying that Jesus is the Son of God. Not that God is about to die or that God is not present, but He's saying Jesus has all authority. He has all the, the rights and privileges of speaking on behalf of God the Father. This is profound. He's saying, so you have to understand that, that what he's saying is not that Jesus is speaking on behalf of God, but that he speaks with the same authority. Before, everyone who spoke was a prophet who shared a, a message. He was the messenger. But now Jesus is coming and he's sharing the actual word the same authority that God has. The same when He spoke, He spoke with the same uh, 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 the same power, the same majesty as God. And He He uses this, uh, and He and He tries to say this in such a way that they'll understand. He says uh, He spoke as His Son, who had uh, He had appointed heir of all these things whom He also made the worlds. So what He's saying is, is you understand that God created all that is. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that it's not just that God created all things. He's saying Jesus is the, is the voice that God used to create all that is. And so Paul is saying that not only does Jesus have the same authority and the same uh, uh, power that God has, but he's saying that God used Jesus Christ to speak all the worlds into existence. That, uh, and we don't talk a lot about Jesus before his incarnation, but you all understand it clicks in there when you when I uh, point out this. You know, you all understand Jesus existed before He was born of Mary. That He existed throughout all of time. That that Jesus is, is just like God the Father in that 
And, and you all will say, yes, 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 I understand that. But it might not click in there that Jesus, you know, we, we understand no one argues the fact that God is the same yesterday as He is today and forever and that God is eternal in that God has existed outside of our time really and that God has existed for all eternity past and, and will exist for all eternity future. And, uh, and so we all say, yes, yes, I understand that Jesus is the same. Jesus is God as well. And so Jesus has existed for all eternity past and all eternity future. And He has ex- not just existed from the time of, of the incarnation uh, uh, being born of Mary, but He has existed for all eternity past. And so uh, uh, when John says, in the beginning was the Word... He say, John is saying not just that, that God... Uh, that he's saying that's Jesus, the Word. Exactly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all that is uh, in existence is because the Word spoke into existence. John is, is saying the same message that Paul said, uh, is saying here, John said, uh, that, that when all things were created, uh, he says there wasn't anything created that... Uh, that that was not created by the word of God, and 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 it's not just he's not just saying that that it's the word that when God said, "Let there be light," Paul uh, John is saying that that was Jesus that did it. Paul's saying the same thing. So think of the awesome power, the majesty, uh, the great power that Paul is saying that Jesus has that he created all the worlds. And then he not only says that, but he's saying also, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins that sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's loaded with so much meaning. He says, who being the brightness of his glory. He's saying, in essence, that that uh, that Jesus Christ is not just simply uh, a shadow of God. He's not saying that he is like God. He's saying he is the brightness of the glory of God. He's saying that everything that is glorious about God is Jesus. It's, this is not just the the leftovers. He's not the remnant. He's not just the the kind of like he's saying everything that's good about God. Just think of it that way. Everything that's good about God, which everything's good about God. He kind of gets that in the background. You know, he's 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 saying everything that's good about God is who Jesus is. So everything that's good about God, that's everything. He's saying He's completely God, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Again, He's saying this is not someone... You know, the... 
In the Hindu tradition, you might even have some who say, yes, Jesus was a great uh, teacher. He was a great uh, 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 religious leader. And he, uh, he is an image of someone that, uh, that we teach. You know, the Hindu people teach that you can attain a certain uh, level of enlightenment to the point where you can be a god. And they're saying, yes, Jesus is an example of that. Uh, Paul's saying, no, he's not uh, someone who has transcended anything or been enlightened by anything or attained a certain level of, 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 of intellect or, or oneness with uh, nature or anything like that. He is saying that he is the very image, the person of God. He is not someone who is like God. He is not someone who is uh, uh, somewhat uh, uh, a part of God. He is saying Jesus is the very person of God. He is everything that God is. And He is uh, not just the very best of God. He is everything. He is the person of God. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. And so He's saying... Jesus is not just... And there's some who even in the Christian tradition who can't understand the Trinity or, uh, would say, you know, well, the Bible says He's His Son, so I, evidently God had a child and, and He sent His Son. And, you know, And the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, uh, even say this, that Jesus was uh, uh, a creation of God or the, a child of God and that, that God sent Him to this earth in order to be the Savior. And He didn't really obtain His greatness until He died for the sins of the world. No, He was the very essence of God. He is everything. His power holds the universe into existence. And He is everything that is... He is God in every essence of who He is. He's not uh, another God. He's not similar to God. He's not like God. He didn't become God. He is everything that God the Father is. Uh, And He's nailing it down with the fact that He's saying... Not only did He create all things, He didn't. God didn't come up to Him and say, "Here, come here, son. I'm going to let you do this so that you can have a little fun at it, and I'll I'll be here to make you know, like you would if you were trying to teach your child how to cut the grass or something like that. You go on out there and try your do your best. I'll make sure you do it right." He didn't say that to God, uh, Jesus and say, "Hey, you go out there and create the universe and everything there is. I'll make sure it's good, and uh, I'll sit and and I'll sit back and I'll I'll, I'll look at it and say mm, it's good." Uh, no, that's not how it happened. God, uh, Jesus, not only created all that is, He is the very force that holds all, everything in existence. He is God. That's a. That's an earth-shaking statement for a Hebrew to say about another individual who is a child of Abraham, who is a descendant of David. He is, you know, all of them might have said, well, you know, you, you really were saying some things about Jesus, but, but now you've crossed the line. You're saying, in essence, that He has all power and all... This could really cause Paul to be... Uh, executed by these officials who 
might read this, and anyone in the Sanhedrin in which he belonged to would have, if he would, if they would have read this, would have said, "This is blasphemy." You're saying that this person that we knew that was crucified on a cross is God Himself, and Paul is saying, "Yep." That's what I'm saying. And for a lot of for us, sometimes we fail to to realize the significance of who Jesus is. And there's even others who would say, you know, well, uh, like I like I just mentioned uh, just a moment ago, uh, that Jesus really didn't attain uh, his God, uh, his divinity until he hung on the cross. No, he was he is God. As much as God the Father is God, when He began His ministry throughout of His, his ministry uh, and to this very day, not simply because He went to the cross. He said not only uh, that He has created all things, but He upholds all things in the world with His power when He had by Himself purged our sins. Okay, in in some translations, this word "purged" here is translated differently. I don't have it differently here in King James. I can't remember exactly, but uh, by uh, it says by himself, um, he became the perfect. It, it it points back to this uh, idea of Jesus being the propitiation of our sins, of being the uh, the the perfect payment, the only payment that could have been made for our sins, and he's saying uh, Paul here is saying that he uh, uh, is the only source of eradicating our sin. He, Jesus is not. He's saying that Jesus didn't simply. Uh, serve as a sacrifice by being drug up here and being crucified, uh, that it was uh, uh, something that was forced upon him. Uh, Paul is saying that Jesus uh, made himself to be the perfect payment for our sins to indicate that it was Jesus' ultimate goal of being the payment of our sins. It wasn't that Jesus was trapped and, and cor- uh, painted into a corner and, and had to go to the cross because He was arrested in the, uh, in the garden. No, that was the plan of Jesus was to uh, make Himself to be the, the payment of our sins. And as a result of that, he was uh, uh, he sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. Now we all understand this uh, from other scripture and from other references to Jesus Christ. That when Jesus uh, arose from the grave, he was there with his disciples for a period of time, uh, uh, and then uh, he rose from. Uh, uh, the presence of his disciples and went up into heaven and and the Bible tells us that he uh, that the angel told his disciples that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. A lot of us don't understand the significance of that phrase of the right hand of of, of the Father. This place of of sitting at the right hand of uh, of an individual was a, an indication of great. Power and of great authority to sit at the right. Uh, you remember uh, two of the disciples 
came to Jesus and with their mother and uh, the sons of Zebedee, and they wanted Jesus to uh, uh, make one son to sit at the left hand and one sit at the right hand. Uh, this was a, not just a place of honor, but it was a, a place. The sit at the right hand of an individual showed great authority and power, uh, and it, and sitting at the right hand of the Father indicates that Jesus uh, not only was honored for what he did, but also uh, was given a place of great authority. Of being uh, of being at the right hand of of the Father meant that that Jesus had the same authority and the same uh, privileges as God Himself. And so He says that He is sit at the right hand of the Majesty on high. And then verse four says, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained more excellence than they. Now, this fourth verse sounds a little bit odd to us right now, but what Paul was dealing with was that uh, there were some in uh, Hebrew culture who had placed uh, a great uh, reverence toward angels. And there was even, by this indication, there's some who even believe that there was uh, sects that were growing up that were uh, uh, worshiping angels. Um, that sounds odd to us, but there was uh, a fad going around uh, some years back in which a lot of people placed a lot of great stock in angels and uh, people talked about angels watching over them and angels uh, I remember women uh, going around with angels on their on their blouses and things like that and while that's not really over worship there's some who who uh, they felt as though uh, they uh, there was a great greater um, Obsession with angels uh, than just simply wearing a. I've got an angel pin. That doesn't mean I worship angels, and I'm not saying anybody that wears an angel pin does. But there, there's some that that, that uh, talked about a, having a special relationship with their angel, and they talked about they pull out that scripture about having a guardian angel and and uh, believing that each individual has a, one specific angel that's their guardian, like kind of like uh, you know God's secret service, you know that kind of thing. No, that. Uh, but they they got caught up in this this reverence for angels and and that's similar to what was happening in Paul's day which people were were showing great reverence to these angels and you have to understand that the the perspective that they're coming from is, is that these creatures these beings these angels are created by God they're in the presence of God uh, all the time that uh, residual glory of God being on their person uh, by being someone who is in the presence of God. It's more than just being, well, you're friends with so-and-so. Uh, it's, it's more of, of the, the, uh, the overflow of the glory of God being a part of them, that they were worshiping angels. And uh, uh, throughout Scripture, we see that whenever an angel appeared before an individual, they would faint, they would uh, 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 be struck down and those kind of things. And so uh, there was great reverence for angels. And um, many people saw angels as being 
on a tier above humanity. And so Paul addressed that in this scripture, saying that Jesus was greater than all the angels, uh, being much greater. Uh, But then in other scripture, he talks about how uh, a man is a little bit better than angels even. And and that's his attempt at trying to to pat down this worship of angels. And so uh, that what there's what Paul here is saying in verse four is, is a way of trying to help people to understand that Jesus wasn't an and uh, again Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was an angel that came to earth and uh, that Jesus was a creation of God uh, and came uh, to be the savior of the world that kind of thing so uh, there's been a lot of, of different opinions about who Jesus is and Paul saying, have no misunderstanding. Jesus was not an angel. Jesus is greater than any angel. He is greater uh, on a greater scale because he is God himself. And we need to understand who Jesus is. And so uh, in your life, you need in my life, we need to understand who Jesus is. Now, remember that this one who created all things and, and who... All of this that I've been saying about how great Jesus is, remember you have to also understand um, that uh, Jesus talked about wanting to be uh, closer than a brother to us. That, uh, that His desire to, uh, was to, when we go and share the gospel, that He would be with us every step of the way. So you have to understand uh, that as great as Paul is saying Jesus is, He's not trying to, to create distance between us, between Jesus Christ and us. Uh, Paul goes on to talk about the things that Jesus did on our behalf of going to the cross. And, and you know, he, he brought it up here in this uh, preliminary section here as well. And so we need to understand who Jesus is. This one that, that we uh, owe so much to is God himself. God didn't wrestle up Jesus and say, Okay, son, they made a mess down there. You go down there and, and take care of things. Well, God, I don't really want to do it, but I'll do it because you tell me to. No, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is God incarnate. He's God Himself who created all things. He's God who, who holds all things together. And we need to understand the grandeur and the glory of God who is Jesus Christ. And who is dwelling within us when we accept Him into our hearts and lives? That same God who did all those things seeks to be uh, close to us and seeks to be a part of our life and seeks to take away the sins of our life and and enter into uh, a relationship with us. That's who Jesus Christ is. And we need to remember that. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for uh, the, the awesome uh, realization of who Jesus Christ is. And also understand that, that He gave Himself for us to be a sacrifice, and seeks to be closer than a brother, seeks to desire to have a relationship with us, and seeks to, to walk with us in every step of the way of our life to strengthen us and empower us 
They give us the ability to go forth and to do things greater than He ever did on the earth by sharing the gospel with others and changing lives through sharing the relationship that we have with you, with others. Help us, Lord, to understand who Jesus Christ is and the significance of what He's done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.